4: You are listening to the Road of His Radio Weekly Recap, where I, your host, find me on Twitter at FFKyleTheKid, take you on a tour through the last week in Road of His Radio podcasting, featuring clips from some of your favorite shows. Before we get into the clips this week, I just want to remind you that if you want to support the podcast, you can do so by finding us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash road of his radio. Subscribing to the Patreon gives you exclusive access to the community of hosts and listeners we've got going on over at Patreon. And it also gives you access to the RotoViz Live Sunday morning show, where just before kickoff, some of the hosts will hop on and break down those last minute start sits, the news updates we get with injuries coming in, as well as some final general points of discussion before the Sunday games kick off. That is patreon.com forward slash RotoViz Radio. You can also support the podcast by going to rotoviz.com forward slash podcast your exclusive listeners only 30 percent discount to the road of his website that includes over a dozen apps and thousands of articles per year helping you take down fantasy championships dfs tournaments and all that good stuff the first clip of this week comes to you courtesy of the road of his flagship podcast where matt friedman and dave Caven this week are talking about cole beasley one of the strangest performances of the past week was such a blow up spot you know i had to get their opinion on it take it away
5: another wide receiver that I think really came into nowhere this week. Uh His entire offense did, and that was Cole Beasley. 11 targets, 9 receptions, 101 yards, 2 touchdowns, and 31 points on the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. This raises a couple of questions. One, can Beasley be a fantasy contributor going forward, and how much of an anomaly was this game? Because I have not been impressed with the Cowboys at all this season. I do believe you're a Cowboys fan, though, so you might have been uh, a little bit more in tune with what could happen in this game than I am.
6: Yeah, I'm. I mean, I, I, okay. So in the road of his dynasty league, uh, I I have a team with uh, Pete Overzet and Beasley oh, is on our team. I mean, it's it's a strong yep. team. Beasley is on our team. We never start him. Like, you know, you can't drop him just because it's a really deep league um, and yep. he has some value. But like we never start him. He's never even in consideration. Uh, and I think basically whatever type of league you're in, he's one of those guys that has to be rostered, but should never be in a starting lineup. Um, mm-hmm. in part just because he has I mean, I know I'm saying this like right after he's coming off of like a nine reception, 100 yard, two touchdown game, but he has like a really low ceiling, um, just because of the type of receiver he is and the offense in which he operates. Now, um, this wasn't entirely, it's this, I mean, this was surprising, but it wasn't entirely unexpected in that, uh, you would have expected that. Facing Jacksonville, which this might sound weird, they have sort of like a slot funnel um, in their pass defense and that they are so strong on the outside with Ramsey and Boye, uh, and yet they are missing their starting slot corner. So they're starting like uh, a backup slot corner. Um You do attack them in the middle of the field. Like that is where you should attack them. So it's not surprising that out of all the Dallas receivers – Beasley was heavily targeted. Um, it's just kind of surprising that the offense was so good that he was able to get a decent number of those targets <laughs> close to the end zone where he could really yep. turn them into high leverage points. So it's, it's surprising. It's just, it's not, it's not entirely surprising that he led the team in opportunities, but I don't think they're going to be in great situations moving forward. So he's not someone I'm really interested in.
5: Yeah, that's an interesting point on, um, how the Cowboys were able to use him. Because if you just look at, uh, the points given up to wide receivers prior to this game from Beasley yesterday, OBJ had 22, Chris Hogan had 19, Sammy Watkins, 14, Tyreek Hill, 13, and it starts to trickle off quickly. So this was a very, very significant performance from him. Um, but I, like you said, I think he's one of these guys that you're going to have to keep on a roster. And if you find yourself in a very tough spot, you use him. He's still not a weekly play. And I don't think we should be fooled by this uh, performance into thinking that all of a sudden the Cowboys have a good offense.
4: you're a Jags fan it is not all doom and gloom this week after that performance by the Cowboys as the Jaguars did acquire Cleveland running back Carlos Hyde through six weeks of the NFL season Carlos Hyde was stunningly third in attempts per game he had 114 attempts on the season wasn't really used as a pass catcher but if you drafted Hyde in the face of Nick Chubb you got a great value and now that value has come crashing down this is Honestly, the worst case scenario for Carlos Hyde owners, unfortunately, because as soon as Leonard Fournette comes back for the Jaguars, Carlos Hyde is moved to the bench, and this week, Carlos Hyde won't be playing when he was originally in a good spot against the Tampa Bay defense. Now, it looks like in the absence of Leonard Fournette, we will likely get Carlos Hyde and TJ Yeldon splitting carries, with Yeldon taking over the Corey Grant role as well, because Corey Grant was moved to IR. And TJ Yeldon is notably a great receiving back, making this a full-blown committee until Leonard Fournette comes back. And even then, who knows how healthy he will be, this backfield in general will be very tough to gauge in the upcoming weeks. The next clip comes to you courtesy of the RotoViz Fantasy Football Report with Blair Andrews and Hassan Rahim. This week they have on Venn Battle, and they are talking no shit, shit knows from the past week. Here it is. Adam Thielen caught 11 of 15 targets for
7: 123 yards and a touchdown in the Vikings' Week 6 win over the Cardinals.
8: No shit. Thielen had the most targets in the league heading into this week. He's had more targets than Diggs this year, obviously, and more targets than Diggs on a per-game basis every time Diggs was healthy last year. So he's hit a bit of positive TD regression this year and he also has two more red zone targets than digs this year you know one of the knocks on Thielen last year was like oh he has slightly higher volume than Diggs, but Diggs is better at scoring touchdowns so we should so digs should be drafted ahead of Thielen. Diggs will break out etc that type of thing but there's it's undeniable that Thielen is the alpha male in this offense he's the overall wide receiver one um a steal in the third round of this year. I'm happy to own quite a bit of him. And he's there's no reason to think that he won't continue to produce at a top five clip in the league, really. Like Kirk just loves him. One interesting note is that Diggs slightly out-targeted Thielen the last two weeks. So I was thinking that maybe it might even out a little bit, that Diggs might start to take off some of those targets away from Thielen but that really didn't happen this week I think Thielen saw 15 yeah you said 15 targets compared to Diggs is only five this week Diggs saw Patrick Peterson so maybe that had some type of influence on it but you know it just kind of there's a signal that Diggs might even it out again but you know Thielen squashed that so.
7: Greg Olson caught four of seven targets for 48 yards in the Panthers' week six loss to the Redskins.
8: Shit, no. Greg Olson had a significant drop in efficiency last year in the limited usage he had before being injured. He did like a commentating stint during the year last year. Just kind of kind of weird. And You know, he's 33 years old. It, I think he's pretty toast, to be honest. I see him on the way out. It's pretty annoying for the other pass catchers in the offense that Cam has that connection with him and still gave him seven targets right away, but I'm not buying any form of fantasy value for olsen i mean he'll be a startable tight end potentially like you know a top 15 top 12 tight end but he won't sniff that top five near elite usage and performance that he kind of had beforehand you know the injury thing's also really weird that he was supposed to be ruled out for the season and then he's coming back and this is also the same foot injury he had previously so it seems like he's at a high risk given his age and the the specifics of this injury for him to re-injure himself. So I'm not putting any stock in Olsen.
7: Christian Kirk caught six of seven passes for 77 yards in week six against the Vikings.
8: No shit. Since week two, Christian Kirk's had a 20% target market share to Larry Fitzgerald's 18% target market share. Rosen and Kirk definitely had a big preseason connection. And, you know, it makes sense that they, that connection is only going to grow since they're developing together as rookies. One thing that's cool is that Kirk has been used deep a little bit. He coming in, he profiled as a super low a dot slot receiver, pretty much mimicking Fitzgerald's current role. But on the first play of the game against the 49ers last week, they took like a 40 yard deep shot to him and he scored like a 70 yard touchdown. So it shows that they they're really trying to game plan him in in different ways. Um, he was one of the top wide receiver prospects coming into this year with a 20.1 breakout age, which is you know the skeleton key to success. We've written a lot about that on Rotoviz, And it's definitely really exciting to see what will happen once Fitzgerald leaves. To add to those points about
4: Christian Kirk, that episode came out early in the week. We have since had the Thursday night Cardinals game. In that game, Larry Fitzgerald did see seven targets, but just a measly 36 air yards, as opposed to Kirk, who saw one last target, but for 102 air yards. And another player to note would be Chad Williams here. Actually, led the receivers in targets this week with eight, saw 86 air yards. On the season, Fitzgerald is still ahead in targets by five over Kirk, but Kirk is very close in air yards. He's just 20 air yards behind. Both are at 352 and 372, with Chad Williams lurking. Only 29 targets, but closing in on air yards at 322 because he has run a little bit deeper routes at 11.1 average depth of target. Coming out of this quick break, we'll have a few more clips coming to you this week.
2: This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion. This episode is brought to you by Decoy Wines of Sonoma, California. Decoy by Duckhorn. Elevate your occasion.
4: The next clip comes to you courtesy of Rotovis Overtime with Colm Kelly and Sean Siegel. This week they're talking about the breakout of Tyler Boyd and in a Bengals offense that has been turning heads surprisingly. Without further ado, let's get into it.
7: Bengals beaten at the end this week but looking very good. Is this Dalton to, to Green? and Boyd connection is that going to allow Dalton to post big numbers and the Bengals to continue their playoff push.
9: Yeah, I thought this past week that, you know, I, I kind of had a situation where I thought the Bengals would really take care of the Steelers. And obviously we know what happened at the very end with the Antonio Brown uh, touchdown to change things there. But uh, I, I thought this team underperformed this past week, even though we, you've already mentioned with Tyler Boyd what he did. Uh, I, didn't, I thought AJ Green could have been a lot better. I thought Joe Mixon could have been better. And obviously we touched la- uh, a couple of weeks ago on the Tyler Eifert injury. I think that is something that is going to moving forward help. Boyd could open up for more targets in this offense. I think uh, you mentioned Keenan Allen and I think it's a very very fitting uh, kind of a comparison. He isn't somebody who's you know the fastest but he, I, I would kind of call him almost like a, a technician you know in terms of his ability to separate and to get open and even on his touchdown I think it was the second touchdown this past week like it looked like a really poor play from the cornerback but it was kind of more I thought were, Boyd showed him that he was going to go and then where the route ended up going uh, I thought that he you know came in and out of his break extremely well there if you look at it in terms of his uh, targets and his receptions over the course of the season so far it is really balanced across the board in terms of you know, left side of the field, right side of the field, or on the deep left, deep right, and then short over the middle. The place he hasn't gotten uh, many targets is deep middle. But in terms of what he's done with those targets, then it's been it's been really, really positive to see. I, I expected him to have a solid season. I was expecting him to be, you know, possibly sneaking into the the wide receiver tree bracket. But I think our evaluation has to have changed at this point. And I think at this stage, you know, if he's if he's not in the, that top twenty four are just outside of it I think it would end up being a a disappointing season from this point forward based on what we've seen so far catching AJ Green I don't don't think that's going to happen I still think AJ as the season goes on will put up the touchdown numbers to keep him uh, a little bit ahead of of Tyler Boyd and uh, I think in terms of deep play threat in terms of the big play threat I think AJ will always have that uh, over Tyler Boyd as well so I think though uh, you know where where we thought Sean uh, this offseason Uh, when you know we were able to pretty much get him for for free everywhere Uh, I think um, he he is well for me anyway I don't know I'll let you answer the question he's he's exceeded my expectations at this point going forward what is your final call on Tyler Boyd from this point Uh, what would be a disappointment uh, from this point forward I mentioned the top 24 Uh, what would your expectations be
7: I think if he falls out of the top 20 at this point, you would have to be disappointed. The situation there that you mentioned with Tyler Eifert being out, and yet the defense really having to still focus on A.J. Green, really still have to focus on Joe Mixon in the running game. It, It creates this dynamic where there's a volume there for Boyd, and it's difficult for the defense to really focus on him it's it's similar i think to what juju smith schuster has with the steelers where the defense has to focus on the running game and has to focus on antonio brown and yet the volume is there because there are not a lot of other guys now then big ben uses the tight ends a little bit more but they haven't really gotten anything from james washington so this is the perfect situation for your fantasy receiver to have a high floor for the volume and yet really not let the defense uh, be able to focus in on that player. So I think he's going going to continue. This isn't a surprise based on what we've seen from Boyd in every year except for 2017, right? He was one of the best prospects that we've seen as a college wide receiver and because of his size, speed profile and because 2017 was so bad, people tend to forget that a little bit that he really was just an absolutely fantastic prospect had a solid rookie season and now has really come into his own. So I don't, I don't expect him to drop off at
4: all from this point. Just put a final touch on how good Tyler Boyd was in college. He broke out with 1174 yards his freshman year at Pittsburgh university. Then going to his senior year, Was a bit of a disappointment, just 926 yards, but that mostly falls on the back of the fact that their offense really had to work entirely around him. He was running numerous snaps out of the Wildcat. He got 40 rush attempts that season for 349 yards. Looking at his breakout age on player profiler, that is a 18.8 breakout age, 92nd percentile. And then, like I mentioned before, the offense really ran through him at Pittsburgh. 86th percentile college dominator. Boyd really had all the metrics of someone who's bound to be a successful NFL receiver, and it is now showing to pan out on this surprising Bengals offense. The next and final clip comes to you courtesy of the Laying the Points podcast with Matt Lamarca and Anthony Mico. This week, they're breaking down the Jets-Vikings game. Jets are three-point dogs at home. Here's what they have to say.
1: All right, Matt. You're fighting Jets. They're three-point dogs at home to the Minnesota Vikings.
9: Forty-six and a
1: half point total. Yeah, we know. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I, are we gonna be
10: optimistic? Last week you were pro
1: Jets. You were right. My only win. How do we win. feel this week? How do we feel this week?
10: I like them, Amiko I like the Jets again. Uh, the Vikings are three, two, and one, but I think they're a bit overrated. They have a Pythagorean win expectation of 2.8 and 3.2. So, um, you know, even if they had counted that game as a loss instead of a tie, like they'd still be overrated. Uh, so I think that this, the Vikings, in particular, their defense has just not been the same team. They, uh, they're just 20th in DVOA this season on defense, which was a real strength for them last year. Uh, meanwhile, the Jets have a Pythagorean win expectation of 3.6 and 2.4. So you could make a case that they're the better team. I wouldn't do that. Um, that number's obviously a little bit inflated by the fact that they beat the hell out of Detroit to open up the season. But their defense is good. Sam Darnold has been making some plays. Uh, and I think the fact that they're getting three here at home is not right. You know, like this game should not be Minnesota minus nine if it was being played in Minnesota. So I will take the the home dog here and they will be in my five pack for the second straight week. I like
1: it, Matt. I like when you're when you're optimistic. Now there are some injuries to look for. I mean, Robbie Anderson missed practice today. Uh, Jamal Adams though was full practice. Um, you know, a bunch of their defensive guys that they didn't have last week. Buster Screen uh, was still waiting on him to come back. Did not participate today due to concussion. Uh, that was, I think, like the big thing last week is the, the injuries in the secondary. I think really hurt them. Uh, Tremaine Johnson didn't play. So if they get those guys back, you know, I definitely think that they can play. With uh, the Vikes, I mean, the Vikings just have no interest in playing defense this year. Like, absolutely <laughs> none. They have no interest in playing defense, and they have no interest in blocking for Kirk Cousins, Right. And, like, you know, Adam Thielen is a GOAT. Stephon Diggs is pretty good. Kyle Rudolph is pretty good. Like, they, they have, like, really good offensive skill players, but the O-line is terrible, and the defense is bad. So, like, those, those two factors, I think, you know, really hurt you against a team like the Jets. Because, I mean, the Jets are frisky, man. Like, Sam Darnold can get it out there. Uh, as long as Anderson's playing, I think that he's a deep threat. And, uh, you know, some of their other guys have made big plays this year. So I, I'm always down to bet a good home dog. I feel like the Jets have been better than advertised, better than expected. And, uh, it's a good spot.
10: Yeah. And I think Quincy and Nunwa also might miss this game. But as much as I love Quincy and Nunwa, like they kind of just moved Jermaine Carson to that role last week and he was yep. fine. So, yep. like, I don't think that that's as big of a deal as if Anderson were to miss because he, you know, is, like, their one real deep threat. I guess you could say Terrell Pryor is a deep threat, too, but he kind of just stinks, so.
1: He <laughs> yeah, had a good game last week. Maybe maybe he'll be in the mix.
10: Maybe.
4: The reason I chose this game as the final clip was because, I think because of what they talked about, this game has potential to hit a sneaky over And for that reason, I like it in DFS. If you're paying up this week, Kirk Cousins is an option. And then I know Adam Thielen is on a crazy stretch of 100-yard games, but I think because of that and the fact that Stephon Diggs is coming off of a bad week and hasn't scored since week two, the Cousins-to-Diggs stack could be especially profitable in DFS this week should Diggs go off, and I think Cousins is a safe play every week. And then I'm very willing to run it back with a deep threat big boomer bust guy like Robbie Anderson. Looking a little closer at Diggs, despite Thielen having a string of great weeks, Diggs still has 60 targets, 40 receptions, three touchdowns all coming in the first two weeks. If he can get back on that scoring track, I think this could be a big week for Diggs, making him a sneaky pivot off of Adam Thielen without having to give up those sweet Kirk Cousins fantasy points. That's going to bring this episode to a close. Thanks for tuning in, and as always, make sure you check out the forward slash podcast for a 30% discount and patreon.com forward slash radio. I have been your host, Kyle Dvorak. Find me on Twitter at FFKyleTheKid. Thanks for listening.